I'm George Sleffo. And I'm Eileen Sliffering. And welcome to the third season of The Current Podcast. The Current is your deep dive into the future of TV, media, and data-driven marketing, all explained in plain English. We talk to the biggest names in digital marketing, and in this episode, we speak to David Cohen, CEO of the Interactive Advertising Bureau. David talks about everything from the popularity of podcasts to CTV and the future of the upfronts. I was on the agency side of the business for a very long time. I believe it was 22 years at IPG, back in the early days of the internet at a place called Thunderhouse, then on to Zentury Partners, then on to UM, and then moved on to Magna at an IPG level to coordinate investment across uh, everything for the US and for our global partnerships. So it was a, uh, I think, a nearly 22-year run, had a fantastic time, learned a lot, and grew up in the business. For people who don't know, the IAB, they set standards on things like what the size of a display ad should be, what the best video ad format might be, and even the rules of real-time bidding were founded at the IAB and They get that from various input from people across the industry. You're the CEO of the IAB. You represent many stakeholders who all have different points of view on a variety of different things when you guys are setting standards. So what's it like being the CEO of the IAB? I'll tell you, once you've had a career on the agency side, you think about what's next. I can safely tell you that being a trade industry CEO wasn't at the top of that list. It wasn't really something that I was thinking about as a natural progression. But I have to say, one of the things that I took from my agency experience to IAB are the relationships that I built over that time. And relationships, I think, they matter. Trust and transparency matters, and being an honest broker matters. And I think that I took that and kind of brought that to the IAB, which I think has served me well. One of the pieces of prescient advice that Randall gave me when I joined IAB was that with 700 members, invariably, you can't please all of them all the time. IAB's strategic positioning, while it started focused on publishers, over time it grew to include ad tech, it grew to include brands, It grew to include, obviously, platforms and now, uh, most recently, agencies as general members. So we are what we call the big tent. And that big tent, we think, is a unique value proposition for the industry. We think that today's industry challenges require collaboration at the board table, not us versus them, not buyer versus seller, but all of us rolling up our sleeves to figure out how are we going to progress the industry forward. I will tell you that it has been fascinating. I don't think that I could have predicted that I would have started the day or a couple of days after we had the lockdown for the pandemic, but I am being stretched in ways that I had never been stretched on the agency side, most notably in public policy, Washington, D.C., legislation, which has been fascinating. I'm enjoying it. It's not an easy job, but I'm enjoying the ride so far. No, it does not sound like an easy job. And you sit at basically the center of all the challenges this industry is faced with. What would you say is the largest hurdle? Narrowing that down to one thing might be hard. Uh, I think that one of the things that is an obvious challenge that we have as an industry is that we are generally a file open save as culture. We look at what we did last year, we make incremental changes to what we did last year, and we go to the market this year with some kind of minor modifications. We look back to plan ahead, and that is 
especially over the past two years. I don't know if we've ever had a period of time that has been so unlike the previous couple of years for that to make any sense at all. So we have an over-reliance on year-on-year comparisons, which is not helpful to driving innovation, fresh thinking, and following where consumer time and attention is going. I would say the second one that comes immediately to mind, we live in a, in a world where everyone is looking for their unique value proposition. And sometimes we fail to work together as an industry because we're so focused on working on what's special about us as a company. And it's sometimes hard to divorce that, kind of the company from the industry, and that's a challenge. I would say the last one being kind of on the agency side for so many years, we still have the planning process largely divorced from execution. I always marveled that we spend so much time focused on using data and insights and building these very sophisticated targets and plans, and then go to the market and buy adults 18 to 49 or adults 25 to 54. And we come up with all these conversion factors to try to make it make sense, but it's, it's entirely backwards. The kind of go-to-market proposition and the planning proposition have to become more synonymous. I could probably go on for several more minutes on our challenges, but I'll leave it at those three. I mean, even with all these hurdles, the industry is still seeing so much growth. During the new fronts, for instance, the IAB released a report that said digital video advertising spend surged by 49% in 2021 and is expected to increase an additional 26% to $49.2 billion in 2022, according to IAB's 2021 video ad spend and 2022 outlook reports. What would you say about that? I would say there's two things that we have going on at the same time. We have a PwC ad revenue report that we have been doing for 26 years that we recently published that looks at kind of all up, what does the industry look like in terms of growth for 2021? 2021 was a 35% growth year on year from 2020 to 2021, which exceeded any of our expectations. We knew that digital was, in fact, the lifeline for consumers, society, for all of us uh, during the pandemic. We were locked down, locked up. Digital kept us connected, kept us entertained, kept us informed. So we knew that there was a lot of time that was being spent. The question was, were advertisers following that consumer attention? And 35% is the largest growth that we have seen in 15 years, so since 2006. So that's at the top level. From the PwC report, digital video in 2020, just as a means of comparison, grew at 21%. Digital video in 2021 grew at 51%. Tremendous, astronomic growth in digital video. The report that you're referencing, which is something that we do every year around the new fronts, this year we collaborated with Advertiser Perceptions and SMI. Lots of good data in there. CTV specifically, which I think is kind of the center of the bullseye for the new fronts, 2021, 57% growth. And 2022, we're estimating 39% growth. So it's a growth story all around. Now, the question is, why is this happening? I think that there are some things that are relatively obvious. Advertisers and marketers follow consumers. Consumers have been going digital in a more meaningful way, the acceleration that the pandemic brought on. So that's obviously one thing. Another thing that we hypothesize is that 2021 was the largest number of businesses created in the history of the U.S. economy. 
So small and mid-sized businesses, folks that started businesses from their home, and we know that the ad-supported internet is a critical element to starting a business, gaining new customers, providing products and services. So there's definitely a small and mid-sized business angle that is contributing to the growth. And we know that digital, it's the democratization of opportunity, right? Tens of millions of advertisers, as opposed to in linear television, which is primarily done by the top 200 advertisers. You said last year, 189 billion in US digital ad revenues up 35%. I believe the first or one of the first IB revenue reports came out in 1997. And revenue back then for context to our listeners was 906 million. That is across all categories. So obviously, a lot has changed since then. You mentioned CTV, and you have some, I think, very insightful takes on the upfronts. They just passed. What's your take on how marketers, advertisers are buying TV media, whether it's linear or, or digital? We generally are sometimes fast followers, sometimes slower followers as an industry to consumer habits. We don't have to look too far back to remember the year of mobile that happened for a decade. And then obviously mobile became the de facto means of kind of consumption. I think 2016 was the year that we saw mobile overtook desktop in terms of the way that's consumed in mobile today is seven out of every $10 that's spent in, uh, in digital. Part of the research that we did was kind of understanding organizationally who is buying video. Is it a video team? Is it a digital team? Is it a linear team? And increasingly, it is a team that is responsible for all video. So I think that that is a step in the right direction. The other thing that I would just say as a caveat is there's a extremely long tail of DTC advertisers and agencies. And obviously we couldn't capture all of them, but I do think that there is a tendency to be doing video buying all up as opposed to kind of separating that out by linear and, and CTV. We still have a long way. We are lagging kind of consumer usage. If you look at time spent, if you look at kind of the comparison of linear to CTV, despite our growth, we're still not keeping up with where consumers are. And Part of the research that we did is why is that? What are the challenges that we have in that space? I'm sure that I'm not going to knock your socks off with any of the kind of things that we found, but it's everything from challenges in measurement, challenges in frequency management, perception in cost being quote unquote more expensive than other channels. But I, I do think that we are never going back. The future of video will be streamed. There is no doubt in my mind, in our mind, that that is going to happen. So it's a matter of between now and then, how much more does the industry evolve? Today, linear TV in the US, it's about 68, $69 billion, give or take. And streaming is, I don't know, about $9 billion, give or take. But inevitably, like something that I've always said is those two numbers are gonna flip. And that's inevitable, that's going to happen. A bit of a hard question for you, David, but what, when do you see that happening? Well, one of the things, George, I learned early, early on in my career, which I still subscribe to, is predicting the future is a notoriously tricky business. We tend to overestimate the impact in the short term of technology and underestimate the impact in the long term. There's an American scientist named Roy Amara, somebody called Amara's Law. He came up with that, not me, which is exactly right. We get all kind of smitten with, oh my God, the world is upside down, but it actually takes quite a long time to actually see that play out. 
One of the things that is an anchor that is holding us back is the continued focus on efficiency and driving down cost year on year. And I long have said that there is not much more efficient than national cable television. And there are lots of advertisers that have very great good rates, very low bases, and invariably moving that to somewhere else, whether it's right or wrong for the business is almost irrelevant. You have to get over the fact that you're going to potentially be paying more, quote unquote, for those impressions. You know, there are many people in private conversations over a cocktail or over a meal who will say, you're absolutely right. We need to stop doing that. But yet we still do it. So at some point, there will be no more juice that we can extract from that lemon. And we will be able to turn back those costs no more. And at that point, I think that we as a collective industry will start focusing on what we have been talking about in terms of driving business outcomes driving sales, driving leads, quote unquote, paying more for better business results. That's the thing that I'm, I'm really anticipating. I have to believe that that is in the next five years, within the next five year horizon. I just don't think that there is more savings to be had in the way that we've done this for decades. You know, on that note, as networks are now showcasing their streaming capabilities, the upfronts are evolving. How does that tie into what you, the IAB, are trying to achieve with the New Fronts? The New Fronts are a celebration of our industry, first and foremost. They are a celebration of creativity, a celebration of content, a celebration of insights, of technology, of data. The New Fronts are absolutely alive and well. The Upfronts obviously exist. I think it's two weeks after the New Fronts. Everything that we hear, which was also part of our research, is that the industry believes that there will be a collapse. There is no need for those two things to happen separately. This is going to be one video market. There is no need for the time and effort of kind of separating them. It's a fallacy today, and it will certainly be a fallacy in the future. So the other thing that we have heard is that it's an extraordinary amount of time that we're asking the industry to spend on the pre-new fronts meetings, the pre-upfront meetings, the actual upfront meetings, the post meetings. So we need to be a little bit more clever and uh, concise with the way that we're presenting our wares to the buy side, agencies and brands. So the short answer is there will be a collapse of that video marketplace. There will be a futures marketplace, which is what we call the upfronts and the new fronts for some time. There will always be, always being in quotes, inventory that will need to be reserved in advance. If you don't, you won't have it. And there will be a, a slow and steady migration of things that we thought were sacrosanct, which could be bought programmatically, could be bought via platforms, could be bought in different ways that we're super excited about, obviously, at the IAB. Awesome. Yeah, that old adage now, uh, work smarter, not harder, right? <laughs> Indeed. I want to ask, you brought up fallacies, and I absolutely love what you just shared about bringing the upfronts and the new fronts together. And one of the fallacies that I feel like this industry is still buying into is the thought that, you know, linear is being stood up by live sports. But according to like literally all the data that's coming out, it's that consumers are streaming more and more live sports on streaming. When do you think marketers are going to catch on? I know you don't like to predict, but what's holding the industry back? 
So obviously, I think that cost and efficiency is one thing that we've talked about already. I think that it's very hard to compete with national television on a kind of CPM basis against a standard audience. I think that's a reality. I think that the way that we have been, the collective we have been going to the market, it's difficult to change those habits. It's difficult to change the benchmarks that we're going to try to improve upon. And the truth of the matter is the CTV environment is a more complicated, more complex, more fragmented market than the linear television market is. I always marveled when I was on the agency side how efficient it was for us to execute tremendous amounts of money, tremendous amounts of inventory being purchased with relatively few resources. Relatively is an interesting term. And in digital, for better or for worse, our opportunities are enormous. Our personalization and our customization opportunities are enormous. The number of different partners that are selling inventory is enormous. And it's just more difficult to transact that same level and volume of activity as you are in the linear television space. Over time, that will get easier. Automation is clearly something that many folks are focused on in the video space. And I think over time, that will be less of a barrier. Let's switch gears a little bit. So retail media was highlighted in the IAB's revenue report as an emergent area of growth. But really, it's been around um, pretty much forever. So what has changed? I think it's probably two things. One spurred by the pandemic. There's the above the line and a below the line investments that marketers make. Above the line is kind of paid media. Below the line, trade promotions, all the things that are associated with kind of in-store, end dial displays, et cetera, et cetera. With less consumers going to stores over the past two years, I think retailers were faced with a dearth of spending in that space and, and thought about how they could potentially recapture some of that spend in a digital context. So if e-commerce was growing exorbitantly, astronomically, as it has, what's the equivalent to that below-the-line spend in an e-commerce context? At the same time, we as an industry, I think all the listeners are probably aware, are undergoing a kind of renaissance of sorts in the deprecation of third-party identifiers, cookies, mobile IDs, etc., and we're struggling as an industry to kind of make up the same level of fidelity that we had in terms of planning, execution, and measurement in the absence of those third-party identifiers. First-party data is kind of a key asset that one comes to the table with, and there is no better understanding of a consumer than a retailer with their consumer. So you can actually have tremendous closed-loop attribution and reporting. Understand very clearly, I put a dollar of stimulus in the market with you, Retail Media Network, does the cash register ring or doesn't it? And it's a fantastic asset for a whole swath of advertisers that historically have not needed to build up big first-party data resources. So I think the confluence of both of those things has made most retailers interested in understanding what does it mean to be a publisher, how do I leverage my data, and what kind of revenue stream could this be unlocking? So if we think about kind of the IAB membership, Retail Media Networks is probably our fastest growing category. We have a whole kind of working group dedicated to helping counsel those companies to understand what does it mean to be in the content business? How do I leverage my 
inventory, what are ad standards, what are best practices. So it's a huge growth area for us. And I think if you look at like an e-marketer or other folks who kind of size the market, it's north of a $40 billion market today. And I think it's expected to go up to over $50 billion for next year. So we're very, very bullish on the entire category. I think that's brilliant. And I think you nailed it as to what's fueling the rise of retail media. And that's pretty much the demise of third-party cookies and that very, very lucrative shopper data. I want to ask you about Netflix. A lot of people have had different hot takes on this since they announced that within a year or two that they're going to bring advertising to their platform. What was your stance on that when that finally happened? Do you have any insight on that? Of course. Why not, George? Bring it on. I was about as good a soothsayer as everyone else that said that Netflix would eventually take advertising. I said early on that there is no way in God's green earth that they can continue to burn cash as they were and not eventually hit a ceiling. So they were obviously growing globally, which was wonderful. So I knew in my heart of hearts that advertising was going to be a part of the equation at some point, much to their protestation. And then at the same time, you have companies like Hulu, who have made a very clear value proposition to consumers. You don't want ads. That's great. You're going to pay some more. You want some ads. You'll pay less. And they've had a fantastically successful business. So the two of those things combined, uh, it was not shocking to me that they finally came around. What was shocking to me is how long they were protesting that they would never do it. And listen, I am very pleased. I think it will be good for their business. It'll be good for the industry. I think that one of the things that we hear all the time from the buy side is that we need more high quality supply. And I think that Netflix is replete with a lot of high quality supply. So I'm excited to see what they bring to the market. So the great resignation is nothing but persistent. What is the IAB doing to confront this? What do you think the industry needs to do? I think that we are a victim of our success. The industry is growing so fast that we simply do not have the, the humans to support the business. And the humans that have opted to be in the business are moving around quite a bit. We're not necessarily attracting the level of diversity and minority talent that we need to be attracting. So the talent crisis is real. I think it's acute in some areas of the business than others. So we're trying as a kind of trade association for the industry, we could do all of the standard setting and best practices. If we don't have the people to support the business at the same time that we're building tools and systems and processes to be more automated, we're gonna be in a, in a hurt locker. So we're trying to, we have an apprenticeship program. We are trying to bring in college students into the new fronts to give them a taste of what does this industry have to offer to inspire them to choose to get into the media and marketing profession. We have an inclusion institute, which is focused on affording opportunities to diverse owned businesses. We've given up several slots in our new fronts at no charge to up and coming diverse owned businesses to present their wares. So the whole kind of talent DEI area, which I think many people just say and kind of move on, it's a real problem. But I think it is definitely one that we should not forget about. And if we don't kind of tackle it head on, I think the next couple of years are going to be increasingly difficult. But that's all I got. 
And that's it for The Current. But stay tuned, as next week we speak to OKCupid and their agency of record mechanism. If you can put a dent in culture with your work and get people talking, that's when you know the work is powerful and you're making a statement. Because we're inclusive and because we have this almost 20-year track record of inviting all kinds of communities, all kinds of daters, our data is better, our insights are better. The Current is produced by Wonder Media Network. Our theme is by Loving Caliber. The Trade Desk team includes Cassie Crosby, Yvonne Sikich, Kat Vesey, Melinda Zurich, and Christine Gallagher. And remember, we are never going back. The future of video will be streamed. There is no doubt in my mind, in our mind, that is going to happen. So it's a matter of between now and then, how much more does the industry evolve? I'm George. And I'm Elise. And we'll see you next week.